You're listening to Be Love Radio. Your host, Kadat. Your host, Kadat. It's pure and true. Saying, this is my message to you.
Can you hear me now? Oh, there you are, yes. Oh, wow. <laughs> that was so funny. It's um c- could you were you speaking and you could you were coming through, you're just not hearing me? I couldn't hear you. Um no, it just it felt like there was nobody there. I was lost in space. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> Cause I've been sitting here, I'm like, oh, and the call is dropped. I'm talking, like, nonstop. <laughs> wow. Okay, so um, six minutes of silence. Apparently, we needed to have that. So, um, <laughs> wow. Uh, welcome back to the show. Um, and I guess we'll just flow right into it, because I, I gave this whole introduction um, about what we'll be talking about. <laughs> and... Um, <laughs> Wow, how awesome is that? All right, so on today's show, we are talking about navigating discomfort and integrating those patterns that we often find or interpret as you know unwanted or un- undesirable. So, Justice, um, why don't we start by you know defining what we mean by that? You know, what is it that we are reacting to, or how is it that we are reacting that we're defining something as uncomfortable, or as unwanted, or undesirable? Can we start there? Um, well, I think we could probably just start with the experience that we just had. I know I was extremely uncomfortable <laughs> for a moment. Yeah. And um, I was kind of forced to do what the silence suggested, sort of, okay, sit back, take a breath. There's got to be something useful in this, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um. How do we define discomfort? You know, the two words that come immediately to mind would probably be uh, pain, suffering, uh, anxiety, um, sadness, sorrow, grief, anger, rejection, neglect. (laughs) Uh, You know, all those words that really could just go on and on and on and on that um that have opposites that certainly have opposites on the spectrum you know for for reject you have you have the feeling of of integration or embrace for sadness there's happiness for for sorrow there's joy for anger there's <laughs> uh what's the opposite of anger love um the Ecstaticness, ebullience, you know, take your pick. It seems like a really charged motion. Um, I don't think that any of these feelings are what we think they are. And the way that we classify them and we separate them out from the totality of a potentially unified experience <laughs> is probably a lot more where our experience with them as problem sets why than in the way that they actually present themselves just really as information and invitations to to get us to look at things in a different way. Hmm. So you you would call them just what you just said an invitation to look at whatever we're experiencing from a different angle that that is the indicator that it actually is rather than what we tend to think that it's bad. You know, like that first five minutes of silence was where nothing was coming through. It was like, oh, 
shit. <laughs> like, this is bad. This can't be good. What's ha- Like, you know, you go into a completely different stream of thought that's saying, okay, this is wrong. This shouldn't be happening. This isn't supposed to be. Like, it's a different dialogue altogether. Absolutely. And, you know, we, we do this. We're trained to think this way, really, within these sort of dualistic experiences. We're, we're trained to notice comfort is good and discomfort is being bad. And we're really trained to move towards comfort and to move away from discomfort. And I think the tendency is as more of us are moving into a more responsibility sort of oriented consciousness, we are at the center of our experience rather than being at the exterior of our experience, we still tend to exclude these these vibrations and these patterns that that don't fit into what we deem to be comfortable or uh or preferable. Hmm. And we do, we prefer comfort over <laughs> discomfort. <laughs> like it's it's a trained orientation. I don't know that it's a natural orientation, but it's a trained orientation where if it feels bad, if it's not stimulating our pleasure centers in any way, then we don't want to interact with it or deal with it or even acknowledge its existence. I think that's where the real trouble lies is in the disavowing of its existence. And by disavowing its existence, also disavowing the potential usefulness of it as an experience. Mm-hmm. Hmm. It, it just keeps us in that separated state. And the more separated we are, you know, the less, really the less flexibility we have to move through those experiences. If we can say that creating money in the bank is a good experience and creating cancer is a bad experience, We've really just taken away half of our power as being a creator. Hmm. Because we're creating that split. Because we're, cre- exactly, we are creating that split. <laughs> and I, and I, I recognize that, like I, the difference between I can do this and I can't do this is contained only within me. Like that line, I'm the only one drawing that line of, I can do this or I can't do this. I'm the only one creating that that split. The, the experience itself doesn't come split in two different outcomes. Right. <laughs> yeah, it's not like the universe hands you a box, I can and I can't. It's, <laughs> we make those distinctions in our own awareness. <laughs> so then, um, so, you know, and we sort of touched upon responsibility in the last conversation we we had and it's it's showing up again um what is that responsibility we're bringing to discomfort what is the responsibility we're bringing to whatever we're experiencing in the moment i would define it as as recognition very very simply as a recognition um i think with discomfort the general reaction or or the first impulse is to push away from it. Not even necessarily to move out of it, but to really push away from it. Uh, I Mm -hmm. can't tell you how many times I've heard with working with people who who are experiencing information as pain. I just want to get rid of it. I just want to get rid of it. It's like 
there's no way that I could see this as a part of myself. It, it has to be something that's not me. It has to be something that's happening to me, outside of me, and therefore I have to do all in my limited power from really from an egotistical separate sort of position to push away from this experience. Hmm. And what we fail to realize is we're, we're really just energizing it more. That pushing away, that that um, force that it takes to push something away is actually mobilizing and energizing that pattern even more. Is that what you're saying? Absolutely, because the energy is there. The, the energy is charged. The energy is, is vital in a sense. The attention is where the energy goes. You know, energy energy flows where thought goes. Thought and, thought and energy, they're, they're forever linked together. And when we're looking at something that we're perceiving to be undesirable and we're pushing, we're using our energy to push that away, it's not really going anywhere because it is a part of us but it does become more charged from the energy that we give it. Hmm. So the first step is to recognize that that's, that's that, that it, I, I really like the way you say it. It's just experience. It, the experience is actually just information. We're just assigning a certain value or meaning to it, which is negative. So it's painful only because of how we're choosing to interpret it, how we're choosing to translate it. I think that is a is an accurate sort of um of way of putting it. Um, I think pain is is a classification that we give to it based on how we have organized our informational preferences. Um, so to give you an example from from my own life and, and this is part of the reason I wanted to bring this back up because it's been showing up so strongly. Okay. A hideous birthday cycle, just hideous. Every every uncomfortable thing <laughs> moving into my awareness, and you know, I'm not, I don't follow astrologies, but I know I know enough about it to know. Coming on the end of the year is an opportunity to examine the unfinished circumstances of your life and go through mm-hmm. and feel where you have low poles and feel where the loopholes need to be closed. And what was coming to my awareness uh, was, you know, travel back seven years now to when I left Bozeman, Montana as a meth addict who had reached the end of their rope <clears throat> and was miserable. Every I mean, I set it up so that there was no other possible state of experience except for misery, and I had to go through it. I had to go into it, and what came out of, of going into it and going through it was this beautiful life that's unfolded for me. But if I had run away from that, I would have kept giving an energy. I, I might have done all of my best power not to face those parts of myself that had chosen to create that experience in that way. But really what I would have done is I would have continued to separate my choices from the experience and from the new potential experiences, not allowing them to line up because the energy was still so scattered in trying to defend what I was beginning to perceive as a not useful experience. Mm-hmm. You know, it was the most uncomfortable thing I've ever done, ever, in a million years. And and I think we do this even when we know that a circumstance is not useful anymore. There's still so much energy that's invested in holding in that way that even the familiarity becomes 
a crush of its own. Hmm. And I'm afraid to move beyond what's familiar. And therefore, I classify the unfamiliar as being uncomfortable. And that's, I think that's such a, a powerful pointer that discomfort comes only when when our sort of evolution is taking us into the unfamiliar. Um, it doesn't come if, if the next thing that's showing up is familiar and known and, you know, just yet another um, pattern that, that you've experienced before. You, you don't really get uncomfortable when that's what's happening. You only get uncomfortable when it's unknown. I don't know what this next moment's going to bring. I don't know what the situation's going to take me into. Therefore, I'm going to freak out because I don't trust the unknown. <laughs> <laughs> like that seems to be the sort of logical progression of our experience. Like, oh, I don't know. Therefore, the automat- automatic response is to freak out. Right. It's so sort of um, hardwired into us a little bit. <laughs> a little, just a little. Just a little bit. Um, so what what interpretation can we bring? And, and you've said it before, and I, I think I want to keep bringing the conversation and our listeners back to that sort of new orientation and consciousness that we can bring to new situations, new information, or anything that we may typically react to in a, a resistant manner. So what new interpretation can we bring to the experience and how can we explore it and navigate it and integrate it because those are the three I think pointers that had come up in our conversations to do the show um, you know as you say that the first word that comes to mind is responsibility yes <laughs> <laughs> we may not want to hear it but sorry <laughs> If you are having an experience, it is unfolding either through your conscious choice to participate in it or an unconscious lack of choice that has brought you into alignment with it. And you said that in your own experience when you were just um, giving us your personal example. One of the things you said that stood out for me was, I set it up. So you have complete ownership of of those moments, of those frames of experience. You you have sort of total, unconditional ownership of what showed up in your experience. And a lot of the time, we're uncomfortable when we're in that state of, this is happening to me, instead of this is happening from me. Right. That, I think, is a really huge distinction to make. That is that is really the fulcrum of, of gaining awareness and the kind of responsibility, not, and you don't have to take it to guilt. You don't have to say, I'm a bad creator and you're talking <laughs> to me because I've misused my creative powers. Like, <laughs> like let that go. Just, okay, right. what if you just take it to a moment-to-moment noticing and responsibility becomes about response-able. You become able to respond based on recognizing your position within the current pattern or experience. Recognize so your, your position. Point. I love that. That would be the that would be the beginning point. You start where you're at. With whatever you're able to notice. A great way to begin to set that up is if you look at these sort of 
external circumstances that are playing out, and you begin to say to yourself, what if this is not what I think it is? <laughs> I'm laughing because just the way that, you know, this conversation is unfolding, including that minute, you know, that five or six minute minutes of silence at the beginning, really as our conversation evolved, it was like, oh, okay, well, I see why that happened. <laughs> you know, whereas before it happened, it was like, this shouldn't be happening. But now that it, it sort of revealed more of itself, it's like, oh, it wasn't what I thought it was at all. <laughs> it was part of the show. Anyway, go on. <laughs> part of the show. <laughs> yep. So, let's see. So so let's start. So we have responsibility, gaining an awareness of, of how you're in the center of it rather than being an external piece of a of a situation or a circumstance. If you can put yourself into into the center of anything and just notice from that space. And I I think personally one of the best ways to do that is to begin to be able to move your awareness into different states of consciousness. And my favorite way to explore that is by moving from the head or outside of the body down into the field of the heart. The heart knows. And it, it doesn't make, it doesn't have preferences, it doesn't make judgments, it just knows itself as the ever beating piece of infinity that you are connected to and attached to from the moment that you come into existence. It's there to remind you of that. You are here, and if you are here, then everything else is, is as yet to be determined from this moment on. Start with you are here, then begin to allow yourself to work out into well, what am I noticing that that seems to be inflicting on how I'm choosing to be here. Can you see that again? with neutrality. So moving into the heart, if you could think of it, my favorite way is to sort of have your chest just become a pool. And with the only desire as being a little child, just bring a water slide from the top of your head that <laughs> empties out just over that pool. <laughs> and... When you're ready, get yourself lined up and, and have the intention, this is what you're doing, and you're going to come down that slide and you're going to move into that pool. And just let yourself be. And as you as you hover in that state, just notice what you notice. What does it feel like just to be with yourself for just a moment? If you will quiet down you listening to the beat of your heart, the rise and fall of your breath, 
these things that happen so consistently that we that we rarely pay attention to and that we really kind of take for granted. But these are the parts of our awareness that are really always and ever connecting us with the potential just to be. And that potential to just be is what gives us neutrality because if we just are, then all of this other stuff is really, it's just stuff. Mm. Some of it might be useful, some of it might not be so useful. But from a place of of neutrality and connecting with, with just be and just is, it just is what it is, you begin to create a space between these experiences, whether they're good or they're bad, you still have space around them. And as you grow that space within yourself and around your awareness of of the ability to hold what is just being, that space creates room in these patterns, whether, whether they're comfortable or uncomfortable. The likelihood to cling to them as identification becomes greatly diminished. And if you're not solidly identifying with something, then you have space, and that space gives you leverage. So would you say that the tendency to sort of identify and cling to patterns, the, the tendency to, you know, a pattern shows up and you're immediately completely entangled with it, that that is what makes it difficult for you to shift out of or even integrate with the pattern in a more useful way, that that total identification of the consciousness that you are with the pattern? I do. I think that makes it incredibly difficult for us to to gain any kind of sense of space or to be able to move our perception in and out of experiences without feeling that pull of the identification. Mm. Um, and that traps us. It, it it really it it winds us it winds around us and it traps us and it invites us to feel like we <laughs> it invites us to feel like we're like we're stuck and that even that awareness of feeling stuck is really an invitation to look for movement. Hmm. So we come into this this space of neutrality and. And we, as you say, we grow that space. How do we grow that inside ourselves? So the way that that I notice and that I experience is this space, that little tiny space, which I think a lot of us are uncomfortable with to start with, <laughs> <laughs> it's that space that sort of 
calls us to fill it with activity, you know, fill fill this space with with new things, with consumerism, with, you know, emotionality, with all of this other stuff. But if we can be comfortable with having that space, we can actually use that space to navigate through these these patterns. You could call them um you could call them morphic fields, which is really just to say an idea, a feeling, a, a state of experience that has collected loads of energy and a sort of running of its own consciousness. And, and I think these deeper emotions have very, very large morphic fields, you know, sadness, grief, sorrow, anger, rage, all of these huge patterns that everyone on the planet has in some way interpreted or experienced as a part of their their experience. Or it, it connects us all together and yet it separates us. Hmm. Um, what I feel is, is is an opening. I use that feeling of of coming into the heart as as noticing an opening within my own consciousness, and therefore that opening has a desire. It, it just the only thing a heart desires is to open, and in order to open and to stretch. It has to allow for itself to move into those patterns and to find the space for itself to move into that pattern. So, um, say, say you're playing with rejection. You may not know that you're playing with the field of rejection. You might just experience that every time you go out for a job interview, they tell you no. And every time you go to connect with a loved one, they tell you no. You keep hearing this consistent no, no, no over in your life. If you can sort of let go of the details and just focus on on the simplest expression, what's the tie that sort of holds all these together? Well, if I'm experiencing no in all these places, my being is desiring to play with the experience of rejection. Hmm. Now, to deny that you're choosing that experience just really empowers it more. Right. So it comes back to ownership or responsibility. It does come back to ownership. Right. So for listeners tuning in right now who, you know, who sort of see that there is that common thread, you know, whether it's rejection, whatever it is, the first step or the the first shift that they might want to make is owning that they're somehow inviting this into their experience or they're somehow, what's the word, constructing or allowing this common thread, whether it's rejection or whatever, to be present in their experience. So I'm setting this up for a particular reason. That's that's the orientation you invite them into. Right. And from from a recognition that that that's possible that they could be at the center of it rather than being on the edge of it being picked at by it, they literally they move into the center of their being, which is also in a way like moving into the center of your your total experience. If you look at it like the way that the solar system is set up, you can ask yourself, would I rather be in the sun? Which right. <laughs> the heart field. Yeah. Would I rather be on Pluto? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Pluto. <laughs> uh. I mean, you know, Pluto's a nice 
nice planet, but it's kind of out sort of out there on the edges. It's kind of yeah. cold. <laughs> <laughs> it certainly isn't the fulcrum at the center of the universe that is inviting everything to rotate around it as an expression and in connection to it. Hmm. And it, they're, they're so completely different stances of power, right? Like being the center of your own experience, being the center of being the sun of your reality versus being one of the peripheral planets of your own reality. Like they're two completely different states of empowerment altogether. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it doesn't make you more powerful than the other planets because you're working in a harmony with them. So (laughs) from that standpoint, you're, you're looking at it as, as a cooperation, how how am I cooperating with these aspects of my own being to allow for me to move into this pattern and experience the resonance that's there? That's the, what vibration are we are we aligning with together? I think a willingness to go into it with consciousness is what actually creates the leverage. So if you're Let's say if you're so go back to rejection or mm-hmm. choose um any other one. It really doesn't matter. Um, we'll keep. Well, let's keep going with rejection. That's what came up. Okay. So. Yeah. All right. That works. Yeah, I get to work on my. <laughs> <laughs> and everybody else who's ever been connected with the pattern of rejection, which is all of us. Yep. At the most basic, simple level, we reject aspects of ourselves. Mm. and say, this part of me is not good and this part of me needs to stay over here. And then it starts to act out because if you take it back to a unity sort of type of consciousness, everything wants to be enfolded in that embrace. It's not enough to look at the things that you perceive yourself to be doing well. And, yes, you want to take responsibility for those. You're you're glad to own the money (laughs) bank. You're glad to own... (laughs) this fantastic relationship or or, or a well-worn practice or whatever it might be, any of your life skills, happy to own those. If you start to look for the places where you're uncomfortable, is really where the power lies because you've separated them out from that universal consciousness and you've classified them as being something other than that. Hmm. You've rejected them. (laughs) Right. I am this, but I'm not that. Right. I am this, but not that. I'm happiness, but I'm 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 not not misery. No, No. not me. (laughs) That's not what I look like. What? Okay. (laughs) So to take this back to being a global and potentially, I think, really even universal. If we have awareness of something, then there is a level at our being where it's interacting with us. And we may not be as universal beings as we potentially could be, but we know that it's there, so therefore it is in connection to our consciousness. Personal. You have your personal patterns of rejection. You have your family patterns of rejection. And you have your your social identifications with rejection and you have your global identifications with rejection. 
Multi-dimensional rejection. <laughs> Multi-dimensional rejection. <laughs> <laughs> so, my guide showed me a very simple tool for moving into and feeling your way through these patterns. If you take it back to that desire of the heart to open. Feel into that desire to open and realize that anything that's coming up as a challenge is an invitation to open into it. Hmm. So for all of you guys that are listening, I would invite you to to really choose something in your life that is acting as a difficult situation. If you can find the most simplest yet concentrated piece of the pattern, I would go for the emotional aspect of it. You know, you, you go into into rejection, there's, there's sadness, there's anger, there's all these feelings in there. And you go into lack, you're going to find some of the same stuff. Uh, whatever it is for you. Find a word that represents that pattern. Well, I'm going to use rejection. Now, draw a star around your heart. Just a five-pointed star with the top point facing up. So not in double worship, right? <laughs> <laughs> Only on Tuesdays. <laughs> oh, dear. Just draw your star with the point facing up. <laughs> And bring that open part right over the center of your chest. And that opening, that little space of opening, you may feel it like like just a, a, the head on a pin. It might be so tiny, but as long as you can find it like a grain of sand, just connect with where that desire to open is. And you're going to move that desire to open it into the pattern. So for me, I'm playing with rejection. So I'm going to put the word rejection up in front of my star. And I'm just going to allow my attention and that desire to open to feel into it. Now, my guides have classified these points as being the points that I mentioned to you before. You have a point on the star that's personal. You have a point on the star that's connected to family identifications. You have a point on the star that's connected to social identifications. You have a point on the star that's connected to global identifications. And you have a point on the star that's connected to universal identifications. As you feel it into this pattern, you'll notice where the thickness is and then allow your awareness to move into whatever point on the star is willing to open in that moment. So for me right now, my awareness goes to the family point. And I notice as I move into that point, there's there's unpleasant emotion there. Whatever comes up for you, allow for it to come.
there's no need to associate with it, although if conscious references come to mind, you can certainly stack those up and use that same desire to open just to move through those references. As you're in the space of playing with this, you can feel free to bring in any tools that you have on your tool, bet, tool belt to move through consciousness. If you, if you like Ho'oponopono, you can thank you, please, I'm sorry, I forgive you, whatever comes up for you. If you like matrix, you can matrix energetics, you can two point, you can you do your time travel, bring in your frequencies, whatever feels useful. If you're an EFT person, you can you can tap on yourself. But just let those desires to take action be an expression of that desire to open into it. The difference is you're not doing it to change it. You're just acting as an expression of that desire to open. Would you say that wanting to change it is another way of pushing against it? Not necessarily. If you're... Wanting to change it, I, I think the desire to change is really a fantastic motivator. So it depends. Can you can you be with something and want to see it differently and allow for that difference to move through you rather than wanting change to be another way of separating you away from it? What are you noticing, Kinesh? I'm... I think what I keep sort of returning to is the sense of sort of flowering. I don't know how else to explain it. The sense of Just like unfolding into where I am right now. So instead of instead of looking at it and going, this has to be different. This needs to be different. This has to be something other than it is. Just really just relaxing into being where I am. which is a completely different experience. I think what you just said there, the relaxing part, is one of the keys, honestly. When you are choosing any action from a state of relaxation, you're not operating from from stress physiology, Mm-hmm. which makes you more available to what is actually showing up in the present moment. Which then makes you more available to new information, new states of consciousness. 
which is really where all change comes from. One of the ways that I have um, have really connected with this is um, is using it to notice in my personal life and in my business relationships as well, really in any relationship, but to take what's showing up that appears to be external. And I, I would invite you guys all to do this now as well. Take a situation or, or a person. This works really well with a person. And just put that person up in front of you and just think of the difficulty that you're having with them as as a pattern. Notice where that pattern is in your perception on them, where they carry that pattern. Now to take it back to responsibility, turn the attention to you. Feel into your own being. Where are your points that match up with that pattern? And as you connect with where those points are on you, take it back to that desire, that expression to to open. Feel those as sort of stuck, maybe like um like knots in thread. And just take that desire to open into those knots and notice how they loosen. I'm getting pricklies all over my hands. <laughs> and what you just said is a really important distinction. When you do something like this, make it real, make it viable in three-dimensional form. I always take it to the body. I always want to know what my body has to say in response to anything I'm doing in consciousness because it's your touchstone. It's there with you. It's always there with you. Now, as you feel that shift within yourself, look back to to the pattern. Look back to the person, look back to the pattern, and notice what's different with your experience of them as well. Um, <laughs> it's coming back to it's not what you think it is. So I, I had this, this pattern um, of resistance with this um, friend who's in my experience, a woman friend, who's a mother. And my resistance where she's concerned was not about motherhood. But apparently it is about motherhood because <laughs> that's what showed up just now. And the, I don't know if you heard me, but I, I sort of chuckled like, wow, it really wasn't anything to do with her. It's just she's a mom and she represented something. And when you, like, the point in her that I noticed was um, sort of her shoulders and, and where it showed up in me was in my womb. I was like, what the hell? (laughs) Oh, God. So it's not what you think it is. Whatever mental interpretation you're assigning your resistance, isn't it? Yeah, it's never what we think it is. And that's, um, you know, that brings me to something I want to briefly touch on as well, which is, judgment. Mm-hmm. 
the surest way to to freeze any energy into form is with judgment. Whether you're judging it as good or you're judging it as bad, it doesn't matter how you're judging it because it still isn't what you think it is. <laughs> I mean, it really doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> it still isn't what you think it is. If you would care to to look at any judgments that you that you may hold that you hold a negative connotation around and you bring up the experience of those judgments, whether they're memories or whether people you just bring that up as as a pattern to sort of notice right now. you'll probably feel the resistance to it. You'll probably notice your body wants to tense. It wants to hold itself back from that judgment, from that identification. Consciously choose to relax into it. Drop back down in the heart. Let your shoulders come down. Let your belly open up. Now take the same response that you did when you were noticing the pattern on the other person. Feel into your own being and notice where you hold that judgment. And the activity is the same here. Just allow that desire to movement, the desire to open, just to move into that judgment and loosen those knots. And as those knots loosen, take the attention back to your body. What do you notice? I noticed that when I let it go, I felt some sort of heaviness around my heart, and then it relaxed. Hmm. I also know that these judgments are really a binding of our energy. And emotions are really more judgments than anything else as well. We're, we're taking the universal flow, classifying it, and then judging it based on the emotional scale, whether it's good or bad. If you can go into that judgment, you can open it up. You can use the thought, this is not what I think it is. You'll find that the way that that judgment has been being held is, in reality, it, it becomes a gift that you then get to give back to yourself. The energy comes back to you. And the same energy that was held in that judgment becomes energy that's available to take other actions in your life, whether it's creating a project or creating a a greater sense of vitality in your body. Energy is all the same. It's just how are we holding it in our awareness that's freezing it. And if you can become responsible for how you're holding it and how you've frozen it and allow for your desire to open into it move into it and free it up, it becomes available to you again. Hmm. Mark, the way you, you phrase it, how you've frozen it in yourself, because that's that's what we're doing when we're holding on to judgment. We're literally 
locking that pattern into place in ourselves, like we're solidifying it. Oh, absolutely. And then it has to behave externally as you're holding it internally. It has no other choice. The world has to behave. It's like there's an aspect of you that's standing behind you that's writing these little cues on the flashcard. <laughs> and, <it's, laughs> and if you're running a pattern of, go back to rejection, say you're running a pattern of rejection in your consciousness, you will write things on that card that tell the world that you need to be rejected. Hmm. It's <laughs> total ownership of it. If you go into the experience, you find what the experience is. You can look at those cards. You can say, really, really, do we need to do that? And that desire to open really is what, what changes what you're putting on that card. If you're willing to open into it, it's willing to change for you. But it takes you moving into it from a place of consciousness. I think so. I think um, I think it can happen accidentally, and I think that's probably what most accidents honestly are. Is uh, <laughs> is an expression of consciousness that is calling out to get our attention. Mm-hmm. But if you are willing to do it consciously, I think it is very likely that you can curtail the need to have those kinds of experiences in that way. It just seems much more proactive <laughs> to do it consciously than to wait until you have, you know, a catastrophe of any kind happen in your personal reality to, to make the shifts. It, it makes more sense to to kind of take the reins yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I think well, so. Yeah, I mean, only I, if you want to. Right. <laughs> and if you don't, that's fine. It will find you. Yeah. <laughs> you can't hide. You can't hide it. That's basically what we're saying is even if you think you're hiding it, even if you think you're concealing these judgments, they will have they will find a way to express themselves in front of you, to sort of be visible to you. Absolutely. And I, I think it comes back to that, that unity consciousness thing. Everything under the sun, behind the sun, and within the sun wants the same recognition as the sun itself. It It, it wants to be recognized as an aspect of the divine. And your ability to choose these things that we might call our shadows, to choose to embrace the shadow as much as to embrace the light, to be willing to sit in darkness as much as you are to sit under the sun, is what lets, is what lets it know that <laughs> it doesn't have to behave like, like a forgotten child in order to get your attention. Mm. Powerful. And we're coming to the end of our hour. Um, We have just a couple more minutes left in this show. I'm going to leave that, you know, five or six minutes of silence in just to see how listeners sort of sit with it, (laughs) sit with that. (laughs) No, no, because really and truly, like, it, it showed itself to be such an integral part of this conversation that we do want to fill up space. 
we have a tendency to just need to fill up, you know, <laughs> whatever is showing us showing up as empty and it it oh it was so it was so perfect because when that non communication or actually the communication was there, but when that silence was there, I know my initial reaction was different than what what it is now now that we sort of walk through this conversation. It's like, okay, so are you comfortable being in that quiet darkness, being in that silence, being in that spaciousness? Can you take yourself into it and just be there? So what a perfect show. It reminds me. (laughs) It reminds me of this little cartoon I saw this one time, like a little stick figure, and he was saying something like, like, oh, I had this hole in me for so long, and, like, everybody I saw had the same hole, and I saw all these people with, like, these funny patches over their hole, and they like, these things stuck in the hole, and I wondered, like, what is that all about with these things that are webs in this hole? And then one day I realized that if I stood just right, that the wind would blow just through me, and I could hear it whistling, like, <laughs> it's a fantastic instrument. Mm. <laughs> Perfect. Justice, thank you so much for another amazing hour. I I definitely, definitely, definitely shifted on an area I didn't know that I would be shifting in, so thank you (laughs) for bringing that (laughs) and holding space for that. just once again, if you want to let listeners know what you're up to, if you're going to be, um, I think, I don't know if you have some seminars that you'll be at or, you know, your website, your services, if you want to just give them the rundown on you, that would be amazing. Sure. Um, I actually want to give them my accomplices information as well. Kent okay. at soul-tracks.com. He designs music for people as a personal soundtrack to move through these deeper energies. Just another fantastic navigational tool. And my website is embodyme.org. And I work individually with clients all over the globe and in person in Linwood, Washington. And I am a Matrix Energetics uh, practitioner and co-instructor and the next seminar that I'm going to have the opportunity to do will be level three in Newark and um, the seminars yeah I know I'm so excited (laughs) (laughs) love level three and that seminar is available to people who have done matrix energetics level one and two and other than that there are level one and twos that are popping up all over the globe Uh, if you go to the matrix energetics dot com website you can get information on those and another fantastic tool for leveraging your reality and shifting consciousness. Powerful, 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 powerful. So, for listeners who um, who were you know who stayed through the whole entire conversation from beginning to end, um, I think Justice walked us walked us through quite a a few powerful tools that you can use to navigate, explore, and integrate whatever discomfort may be showing up in your life. And and really my hope for this show is that you are walking away feeling your expansion, stepping into your expansion, and living your moments from that 
place of empowered spaciousness within yourself. So, Justice, thank you so much for another incredible hour. Um, I can't wait till we do this again. Thanks. Me too. Okay. <laughs> we'll talk soon. And All right. That's our show for today, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to Be Love Radio. You've got your love.